0: Hello Green Majority Podcast listeners, your host Aaron Kaster here again. We'll keep it real tight and sweet today. Thank you so much for listening to the Green Majority Podcast and of course if you can and are able we would uh, love it if you would become a Green Majority member. You can do that at uh, www.patreon.com slash Green Majority. Enjoy this week's program. Welcome. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. You could also be listening, if you didn't know this, Stefan. I didn't. You could uh, also be listening on our wonderful podcast, which has uh, bonus content. You could also be listening via one of our very appreciated partners, such as our international uh, array of uh, syndicates, uh,
1: or on rabble.ca.
0: Pretty good list, just yeah. in case you didn't know.
1: Yeah, it's, I, 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 every week I relearn that fact, and every week I'm excited. Mm, it's, it's amazing every day. It's like Christmas every Friday. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I, I just love the word international. <laughs> I, I, bet, like, I feel like it's probably like one radio station in Colorado, but I still love it. Yeah, it's like the 100% beef thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, so I'm your host, Darren Kaster, back here in the host seat, more or less as usual now, again, after an extended hiatus. If you're curious about that, we talked about it last week in the bonus show. And Other than that, we're just going to move on. All right, let's do this. So, Stefan, uh, it's currently just you and me. We may actually uh, have some other people joining us, and we have a canned person joining us. Let me just quickly tease that, uh, and then we're going to get to the news. You're going to walk us through some news. I'm going to comment on it. We're going to have a pre-record, which I will talk about uh, now and then. Uh, and then we actually have some some comments uh, that are sort of going to tie into some of the global events, including the horrific. Uh, terrorist act in the U.S. here, uh, which will be related somewhat and somewhat is just us feeling like we feel obliged, like we have to say something. So this will be a very all-over-the-place show today. Uh, The interview, which we're going to do in the second part before we get to our news, is actually with a bit of a Toronto... Uh, I I don't know if legend is the right word, but uh, 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 somebody. Uh, so I re- I remember being in my in my parents' car listening to music, and Chum FM is pretty much the, uh, you know, among other things, the standard in uh, most parents' cars, and pretty much a guarantee in ninety five percent of office buildings here mm. in Toronto. Uh, so for those of you who don't live in Toronto, Chum FM is essentially if you have a local station that basically plays music that mostly is played in like uh, most people's offices, so like things that m- are most likely to please all ages. Uh, sort of stuff. That's kind of Trauma FM here in Toronto and, and uh I was uh, got an award, thanks to your recommendation, uh, here at uh, uh, Volunteer Toronto a little while ago, and, and the host was Ingrid Schumacher, who's been essentially the voice of Toronto's, um, you know, one of Toronto's biggest music stations for about 40 years now, and so I got an opportunity to meet her, and, and we chatted, and I just really wanted to, to talk to her, so uh, as somebody who's been sort of, like, communicating with Toronto, and, and, you know, it's in it's in a little bit of a lighter context, because she's a music host, but at the same point has also just been sort of here as a part, as very visible and talking about Toronto for 40 years, I think has a very unique perspective. So we did actually catch up with her a little bit. After that, I was able to, to connect with her. And, and so we have a brief chat with her about her perspective about how Toronto, Toronto has changed over time uh, from the point of view of somebody with a massive both metaphorical and literal microphone uh, here in Toronto, so uh, we'll do that in the second half uh, for uh, a
1: little bit of a break between two somewhat heavy sections, which I'm going to start with now, Stephen. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Uh So interesting. Uh, so the news—it's it's always funny when when specific uh, actions sort of dominate the news cycle, uh, and so a lot of the what we normally cons- what we would normally cover on the environment show get get pushed to the back of uh, of, of news cycles because because they aren't the they aren't the thing uh but at the same time there's still uh there's one at least there's th- three uh, three stories uh this after this afternoon i wanna say this afternoon, day. this day <laughs> this this evening um but uh but the i want to start with the one that I think is actually the biggest news and it's 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 a funny topic i think in part because we're often i, I don't know how to feel when my biases are right. Uh, whenever, whenever my biases are confirmed, I'm always <laughs> sort of like, should I go and try to find another thing that says no, or should I just be like, yes, this is actually happening? I was going to say, if you're finding your biases being confirmed, you're probably on Facebook. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but uh, so this is a, so this is one of those things that's that that really does feed into the collective uh, bias of of the of the of, of the environmentalist left, um, and and so whether or not. And but at the same time, it really did happen. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's the it's all about Peabody Energy, one of the, the largest uh, coal company in the United States, uh, just declared bankruptcy. I think we declared this. A, I think we actually talked about this a couple weeks ago. We did. Uh, but what's interesting about when you declare bankruptcy is that you have to then open your books. Uh, and and reveal everything that happened, uh, that sort of what was going on inside the company, uh, as a part of this declared bankruptcy. You have to basically prove you don't have the money, uh, so you then have to show courts and then the public record uh, where your money went to some degree. Uh, And in doing this... Uh, so basically, uh, it was the revealed that Peabody Energy uh, was not just sort of you know doing the sort of a, a typical funding, say, one small group of, of climate denial, or was any you know was just you know was maybe supporting right wing think tanks, which would then do stuff. Uh, no, Peabody Energy was a part of a unreason like a large, broad list uh, of of climate denial. Uh, and and it, it was sort of went the gamut of different ways you can deny different ways you can sort of push the politics of denial in uh, so so much so that uh, Kurt Davies, uh, who's the founder of a, of the climate investigation center uh, and he spent the last twenty years tracking funding uh, for cli- climate denial, uh, called this the bro- it 's the broadest in quote sorry it 's the broadest list I have seen for of for, uh, of one company funding so many nodes in the denial machine. Mm. Uh, so they were at the heart of this kind of deal Uh, and then he goes on uh, earlier in that same quote he says that these groups collectively are the heart and soul of climate denial Uh, and so so here's here's a coal company uh, being directly tied to what is being called the heart and soul of climate denial Mm -hmm. Uh, and to some extent this i guess shouldn't be that surprising um, because you know businesses are supposed to look out for business interests and and their business interest was to definitely have the public not know about climate change uh however uh, in a much broader what's good for society context or even in actuality you know what uh, with, with like exxon knew uh in which the, ex, the giant exxon knew about climate change for 30 40 years and then funded denial uh it's it's what well, it's, it's incredibly immoral, but it's also it's, it's illegal to, to try to convince the public something, you know, is incorrect. You can't it's false, you know, false advertising, quote unquote. Um, and so it, I think it's the breadth of their of their actions here that that that, that is more newsworthy than the fact that they were doing it. Mm. Um, and, and, and so what's interesting about this as well uh, is that. There's not only was it sort of just, uh, when I when it mentioned that it was sort of the, the breadth. The breadth even goes as far as to actually have specific scientists named as money came out. So uh, Richard Lindzen and Willie Soon. Willie uh, Soon is we've spoken about it repeatedly. He's, it's it's not a super memorable name, but he is like he is a, he
0: is a very well funded uh, gentleman who's been responsible for like he's been involved in hundreds of papers. Like he's the go-to name for if you need somebody with a degree to sign your climate nonsense.
1: He'll do it for money. Well, exactly. Uh, and, and so it's interesting. Is that these, like, this is why when people say 97, it's like, well, it's not 100%. We're not funding. The fact that you have a coal giant fund directly being revealed to be funding these contrarian scientists. Yeah. Uh, when, you, when your last 3% of scientists are all receiving direct money from, uh, from you know, coal barons, right. you can understand at least why some of us might be skeptical. Well, and that brings me back to a perfect opportunity
0: to to say my number again. Most people have heard these numbers, but many people say them wrong. Like they get they phrase it wrong. Mm-hmm. Like they don't get the technical accuracy of it right. Um, but I think it's it, when you when you do it accurately, I think it's even more telling about the thing you were just saying, which was there's two numbers people throw around. There's a 97 percent number and there's a 99 percent number. They're talking about two different things. 97 percent is the amount of peer-reviewed research that falls under climate that uh, essentially agrees that it's human-caused and a concern. So 3% claims that it is either not human-caused or or questions that it's humans-caused or questions that it's it's a concern even if it is human-caused or even if it is real or, or questions its legitimacy. 99% is the number of scientists. So mm-hmm. if you can do the math there, 1% of scientists are responsible for 3% of the research, which sounds like two very small numbers. But that means that basically a very tiny portion of people like Mr. Soon – have been prolific in writing papers well beyond the average. Uh, and it's uh, usually, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease things. The people who are on the shakiest ground are screaming and kicking their legs wildly as loud as
1: possible. Uh, and it makes their side seem disproportionate. Mm-hmm. And there's a and there's a Canadian uh, tie-in to this as well, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, and this is, I, I want to flash back about two years-ish now, uh, when, when the Harper government trademark uh, was... Uh, was 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 going all against the fact that these foreign-funded uh, environmentalists were attacking Canadian sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it turns out that one of the people that the uh, that this that the Peabody United States largest coal thing was, fundi- was funding was the Calgary-based Friends of Science Society. Uh, this is, comes out of the National Observer uh, and. It's, of course, you know, have you heard just quickly, have you heard a more workshopped name of an organization? Yeah. In friends life? of science. I think I think, the fr- I, I think <laughs> friends of science comes to me the same under uh, under anything that has the word taxpayers in it. I was like, if you're the friend of the taxpayers, I'm already kind of like <laughs> yeah. the word friend alone, I'm kind of concerned by in a organizational title. That's right up there with like allies of citizens or allies of patriots. So suspicious titles for organizations. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and so, and, and once again, uh, this is a f- you know not to like again. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that whether or not a quote unquote un- foreign. Uh, like I think that's kind of endorsing this sort of protectionism that I always think is kind of silly, especially in this sort of small sense. Uh, but I, I do find it uh, what I more is highlighting is a dichotomy between the attacks on sort of foreign-funded environmental groups and the down-home nature of the oil sands uh, yeah. and and climate denial in in Canada, uh, which is ludicrous in so many ways you'd go through the numbers of who owns the oil sands you'd go through the numbers of uh you know of of who is funding friends of science society uh, in in our
0: modern 2016 economy the idea of calling anything either like you know local or or you know international is just like those those words don't mean anything anymore we have a completely globalized economy yeah Uh, the oil we produce doesn't go to us yeah. Right. So like and the same thing with like Donald Trump talking about, oh, well, you know, homegrown oil independence. It's not your oil. It's the oil company's oil and they're international companies. They might be based in America. So they get to call themselves, you know, with scare quotes around it, American companies. But not, the borders are irrelevant. This is completely irrelevant. First of all, we have a global problem we need to deal with at a global level. But second of all, there's no such thing as like a Canadian company, not in the moder- not in a modern economy, not when you were talking about things like oil companies. Sure. Mom and pop store down the street. Fine. You want to call that local. Great. Uh, Exxon, you know, is not an American company. Yeah. It, uh, that's just not the, like those words cease to mean anything if you're going to use them that way
1: a, a friend of uh, a good friend of mine was telling me a story recently about how I believe it was Heinz Ketchup moved uh, was going to move one of their factories out of of, uh, of uh, southern Ontario or so, somewhere in Ontario into the into in the states uh, and then and then it caused a massive uproar in the, in the areas because they, they weren't going to buy Heinz Ketchup anymore uh, and so a different ketchup company multinational company, decided to take over that store and create their own stuff and everyone switched Dramatically to buy this other multinational's ketchup, uh, and this was the this was the power of local movements, right? Um, <laughs> which uh, you know, as as, um, as far as those, I'm sure working at the ketchup factory were very stoked about it. it it's still kind of silly, right? So
0: uh, just uh, just because yeah. running out of time here, I want to move on. There's two really sure. quick points I want to make about uh, about this story. There's two, I think, two important takeaways. Firstly, let's go with the fun one. The fun one is. Here's a company who denied reality so much that they paid others to deny reality. And instead of spending money investing in their business to uh, deal and and negotiate and and lower the risk threshold for their company, decided instead to spend all of their money on pretending reality wasn't reality and trying to convince others it wasn't either. They're now bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And metaphorically speaking, we are going to put their head on a stake and leave it at the city gates. This is the rest of you guys in 2 to 5 to 10 to 15 years if you don't sort it out. Let this be a warning to you. (laughs) Second of all, this is a massive indication. So we have two things. There's the Exxon new thing and now there's this analysis with Peabody Energy. We have a situation here where pretty much every major company does this. This is standard operating procedure is to fund denial of reality to further your business interests. Now sometimes people's business interests are furthered by reality for instance solar companies. But the, this is a massive problem. So I just wish that people would stop being shocked. This is this is how business is done. This is not like some Abern, it's not like we found out that Peabody Energy was like, you know, had a secret secret slave camp on the moon. This is standard operating procedure. Who's surprised? Like, let's hurry up and, first of all, let's learn this and let's stop being surprised. Second of all, when I go on my long tirades about, you know, how we need to fundamentally reshape the way our global economy works and the way our global power structure works, and you roll your eyes, this is what... This is why I'm talking about it, and, and the fact that you don't acknowledge that there are these sorts of critical problems uh, is why, why when I, you know when I suggest these things, it seems either silly, unnecessary, or you know pie in the sky it's, be, it's not because they are in fact pie in the sky is because you and this is a theoretical you of course, uh, I'm not necessarily talking to any specific listener or any listener necessarily, but it's because they are simply ignorant of the real gravity, the real like how deep this uh, sickness has gone into our system. Uh, as opposed to the person proposing a solution uh, being out to lunch.
1: Yeah, um, and uh, well, I'm not gonna, I think there's a pretty good sum up of that uh, of that story. So moving on to other ways people can go, uh, other ways people can go bankrupt. Uh, the uh, there, the the Catholic. Is, is, is not the whole. Unfortunately, it's not all of Catholicism, uh, but it's the first step, uh, which is great. Uh, is that there are four, uh, four. I want to say dioceses, organizations, uh, Australian Catholic organizations have announced that they're completely divesting from coal, oil, and gas. Uh, in in what they are saying uh, is the first joint Catholic divestment anywhere in the world. Uh, And it doesn't see it's it's not a ton of money. These aren't these massive parts of it. Right. Uh, But it's a it's a first step in what and and, and it's an obvious reaction from uh, what the Pope's uh, messaging last year. Right. Uh, you know, when the Pope had that message out last year, it was it was you know it was highlighted as 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 groundbreaking, uh, and then sort of and then it faded off. You know, it didn't it didn't really make the news again. Didn't really necessarily what happened. I think here uh, is an example, a more direct example of that coming coming to roost. Uh, and 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 what's interesting about, it, of course, is that it's a because it's it's a faith based piece. Uh, it's really coming from morality. It's coming from a this is a they are seeing it as a moral obligation uh, to divest um, and if this catches on through the rest of the world's billion or so Catholics mm-hmm. uh, you're talking about a lot of money moving away from fossil fuels uh, and and it's interesting in the article in The Guardian actual Post of course uh, they mentioned that it used to be when you were trying to get these organizations together uh, you have kind of a priest saying oh it's not really we, we don't want to get political it's not really our place to do this but now the hope has come down and be like this is a thing we have to do that argument is completely gone uh you know which if they weren't doing something i like i would give them a hard time about the right right. a church doesn't want to be political but you know what this time we'll let it pass we'll let that i will not make fun of them for that all right thank you darren um uh, and so and so this is one of those things where it's sort of like i think it's a little blip uh of, of something to watch if it catches on uh, you know, if, if it's just for the small Australian organic organizations, not necessarily, uh, you know, the, mo- the amount of money moved is inconsequential. Uh, but if it's if it's a turning of the tide, it could really mean something. Yeah. And I think I think stuff like this is going to be more and less impactful
0: in different places. Of course, you know, despite my just previous comments just a moment ago about. You know, global economy and all that stuff, it still doesn't mean that there aren't differences in each local area. Of course there, of mm. course there are. Of course there are. Uh, and I think in this case, you know, uh, Australia is interesting because they've repeatedly proposed some, I don't know if significance is the right word, but tangible at least, uh, climate policies. And then they keep getting rolled back by the next government or somebody goes back on their promise or whatever. So Austra- and Australia is, of course, a huge uh, contributor to a lot of these problems because of their business uh because of the the business side there. So it's it's just really interesting where in this case where there's obviously an appetite for and a demand because of the impact that Australia has on emissions to do stuff but it's really it's never really taken root and every time you you know they go move forward one step and then they go back a step and a half and then they take a two steps forward and then a step back is that I think in in other areas where it may not this type of sort of like Ethics appeal and religion appeal um, that sort of cuts underneath, I think, to a certain degree, and, and you know, for better or worse, um, goes around sort of the the sort of rhetoric conversation and just goes, you know, according to our church, this is immoral. I, I think this might be potentially more useful and more significant in Australia than it may be in other
1: places. Mm. Uh, and I think the other, other thing about uh, regionalism, at least in Australia, uh, is that a big they have actually a, a immediate and very tangible example of uh, climate change in ocean acidification, uh, ocean acidification, impacting the coral reef. Uh-huh. Uh, and so the Great Barrier Reef is a sort of like you know it's, it's it's a it's a big warning bell. Every you know every time the bleaching uh, gets gets too bad, it's a it's it's a very obvious site specific thing which you can see is being danger and hurt and and, and it's and and it's a big part of their also their over collective identity uh and so it's in as far as as places that have like a really obvious thing they can see in climate change australia is really big on that Mm -hmm. uh moving on to our third uh third story before we get to the break uh is it's a it's one of those again it's one of those stories that i think is uh, I guess it's. I always find the fun that start with secret briefings. Uh, whenever a story starts with secret briefings, I'm always interested. Ooh. Because um, like you know, I I guess in part it's because when you're the government, if you say anything uh, at all, it's it's a story. Uh, and so like I feel like so I, I would be interested about how many secret briefings are that go through the government that are actually just you know like this one are just straight talk. Uh, that the that the people would love to hear, but you know they aren't they aren't going to start. They can't start throwing around all this stuff because then they have to do things about. Them uh, shockingly. Yeah. Um, and just
0: a, a super quick aside yeah, yeah.
1: about American political leaks. Um, these are almost exclusively done intentionally
0: uh, by the current administration. Um, and one piece of evidence for that was when they have a leak that they didn't like, Snowden. Right. Like that. That's what happens when there's an actual leak that wasn't supposed to get leaked and people get pissed off. If there's a leak that happens to make the government look good, it's a million percent that like it happens all the time. I'm not even being conspiratorial. This is like standard operating procedure. If you want if you can't do a press release about something because it's you know, it would look bad if the president was to come out and gloat about it. They just leak it to the press. Right. So just just so the people have the proper context for what we mean by leaks here. If this was actually, like, a secret, like, ooh, we didn't want this out,
1: they'd be hunting that person to the end of the earth right now. Um, Well, again, but this is – what's interesting about this is – I'd be i curious. I don't actually know how it, it doesn't say how it came out, but it's interesting uh, what it is, is a is a briefing to the C- Canada's Indigenous Affairs Minister, uh, which warns that disasters are increasing in, in, in number and severity and uh, dis- disproportionately affecting remote and reserve communities. Uh, so the first half of that quote unquote briefing is just saying climate science. Uh, you know dangerous natural disasters are increasing Uh, we've been saying that on the show this for the last how now 507 episodes I'm pretty sure I I wouldn't be surprised if the if uh, you know if Jordan popping the original host opened the very first thing saying due to climate change (laughs) natural disasters are increasing Uh, but 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 the second half I think is is what is interesting and the way it's framed even this is the National Post and it's framed in this fact that it's really impacting indigenous people's first and foremost uh and you know and you see it all over the place you see it you know in fort mcmurray is an example of uh, a remote community that's sort of going to be getting helped but can you imagine the like these forest fires are raging all the time every year there are forest fires and every year there are these people who are living in these remote communities who are being affected by it uh who don't have uh the you know the the microphone to be heard uh especially these indigenous communities uh and so it's one of those things where it's Whenever, when anyone asks i think or whenever it seems like the, like like the reason why or part of the reason why indigenous people are such powerful spokespeople uh uh for the for the for for the climate change and these issues is because they're the ones being impacted first and they know it mm-hmm. uh and so they are and and it's and it's it's there's a there's such a I guess there's a there's a there's a power that comes from a from 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 a desired justice mm-hmm. uh, that that doesn't necessarily. Come through when you're just sort of like, I know I'll be fine, but I think I should care about this. Versus this is impacting me now. I see it, and it's racist that you're not doing something about it. Right. Uh, and so uh, we'll post this as well. And it's really just, uh, you know, again, it's 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 not it's not, it's one of those things where it's natural disasters are happening more increasingly, and in part of they're happening more often in remote communities, uh, and because in part because they're closer to some of these nature things, especially wildfires. Uh, and so we have. Uh, the, the, so this so was interesting. Is that they're on reserve in a document comparing 118 incidents in 2011 and 2012 uh, to 76 in 2010 and 2011, and then 54 before that. Uh, so this is going from 54 to 76 to 118 in an incredibly short time span. Yeah. Uh, and and between 2009 and 2015, 480 natural hazards affected reserves. Uh, that's can you, if four hundred and eighty natural disasters impacted Toronto in the last six years, uh, this would be a thing we would be dealing with, uh, and uh, of course, it is, this is all over Canada, and so it's not like they can be one thing. But it speaks to sort of the a the need for action, uh, and b the fact that the fact that the fact you can never forget about environmental justice, sort of having to lead the way in the charge for actually taking this kind of action.
0: Yeah, and I think. Uh, just before we go to the break, I think the final comment on that will be, or my only comment on that will be: Is I mean, is it, is it any wonder why we have an issue with trust between First Nations communities in Canada and and the rest of the country? Essentially, you know, specifically the government, but also, you know, any power agency and 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 you know, such such a big sort of trust gap is that it's one of these things where you know, in addition to everything else, and I'm sure there's people who come on and do several shows in a row of lectures about other issues, but just sort of as one other coin on top of the pile. Um, is this like one of those things where if you come and like, Hey, uh, you know, my house is on fire and the fire department is like, Yeah. and they don't come and the second time you call, they send police to tell you to stop calling the fire department the third time you know they come and they they you know make fun of you and like spread the help spread the fire and you know tell and the fourth time you know they say that this is or you know super it's it's reverse racism and then the fifth time they're like oh my god you know the fire department goes oh my god my house is on fire and they're like we've been telling you Right. right like it's this thing where like you know people it's it's this 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 just trust and this dismissal and this whatever and like it's not even a matter of the like You know, a community needs help, A, but also what's happening to them is about to happen to everybody else. So if you don't care about it when it happens... do you not understand that by not helping them you're making it worse for yourself too like if that's the lowest possible reason besides just having a basic shred of human decency and not being a racist um is that maybe this problem in five seconds is going to affect you too like it's just mind numbing uh but yeah i mean it's it's absolutely undeniable that among many other controlling factors here that just there's just one word to sum it up and that's racism so let's go to a music break on that we're going to come back with a little bit Uh, of a lighter tone I would argue Uh, dramatically lighter dramatic lighter yes I have a a thing for understatement (laughs) a dramatically lighter tone we're actually going to chat with uh, as I mentioned earlier uh, somewhat of a local celebrity here uh, just in the the voice of uh, of extremely popular radio station uh, Ingrid Schumacher from Cham FM is going to join us just for a brief very light chat uh, in the middle of the show and then we'll go back to some more serious stuff at the end of the program but for now you're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM Canada's Environment News Program we're going to be right back after we hear from Alex, what are we going to listen to, buddy? All right. You woke me up there, Alex. You woke me up. All right. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. Uh, we're going to go right now into a pre-recorded interview I did with Ingrid Schumacher, who is uh, one of the music hosts on a extremely popular local toronto uh radio station here for about 40 years so i do apologize some of our uh non-toronto listeners we're going to gush about toronto just for a few (laughs) minutes here but um she's absolutely lovely and uh uh, and it was my pleasure to to speak to her about some of her perspective as sort of the the, in a way the voice of toronto really for the past you know 40 years uh in a way um about some of the changes she's seen to the city and, and about sort of just the idea of environmentalism a little bit so the without further ado here is ingrid schumacher in studio today with Ingrid Schumacher, who has been on a uh, Chum FM uh, for thirty-nine years, I, I believe. Know.
2: Crazy, huh? Um,
0: and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, on Chum FM, doing a, a music programming. Um, and the reason we're speaking to her today, well, is twofold. The, the most immediate reason was that I actually uh, met you at an award ceremony recently.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was a pleasure. It was a, it was wonderful to be asked to be a part of that evening uh, for Volunteer Toronto, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to meet some very interesting people, yourself included. Well, so thank you very that's, much. That's how we've connected.
0: I wanted to talk to you about a couple of sort of not super serious, but sort of more serious ish. Uh, things at the end because i'm very interested to know what it's like you've been working at a commercial radio station for quite some time and so i'd Mm -hmm. love to ask you a little bit about that but first let's talk more just about you you're a toronto native you've been working here in toronto for for quite some time i believe you were born in toronto
2: no no i'm actually from sudbury Ontario. we won't hold that against you okay okay. (laughs) now Uh, be careful (laughs) i'm very proud of sudbury and in terms of green Mm. there's uh, there's really no better place in ontario it's wonderful up there Awesome. So, so let's let's start with that. I mean, you, okay. you've you've commented a little bit
0: about your your pride in Toronto's greenness and, mm-hmm. and very happy with Sudbury. So, uh, what does that mean to you? What what do you like about your city, and what what is green about it that makes you pri- prideful? Uh,
2: it? well, from the, f- there are so many things to love about Toronto. Any of us who live here know how lucky we are, fortunate uh, to live here. But uh, from a green standpoint, one only has to bring someone who is not familiar with Toronto up to the top of the Manulife or the CN Tower to Physically, see how green this city is. It's just a canopy of trees and gardens. And as a gardener myself, I, this is, you know, my favorite time of year. My head's just spinning pretty much from May until, you know, July when things start to get real hot. So, from a green standpoint, in terms of physical green, it's a beautiful city. There's a lot of green here. There's a lot of park space. There are a lot of, you know, things that are of that nature. In terms of green, in beyond just the physical, it's becoming more and more green all the time. So, yeah, I've lived in Toronto for close to forty years now. There were no bike lanes when I moved here. Um, well, actually, gas stations weren't even open on Sundays when I first moved here, and you'd be hard pressed to actually find a restaurant open. But so in things like bike lanes and things that you know promote green living now for most of us, options and how you're going to get around and things like that. Even transit, yes, the TTC was in existence, but it was very limited. So you had a lot of people living in the burbs, which was, you know, back then that was what everyone did. They left the core of the city, they moved to the suburbs, they had their families, and – um They got to work in their car. They took their car to work, and it was a non-gas-efficient car as well. It was a big car that you know, used a lot of gas in an infrastructure that really wasn't set up for as many people who eventually, you know, started to uh, land in those burbs. So from a green standpoint, our city is much more green, trust me, than it than it ever <laughs> has been. And I'm looking forward to the next levels of that when mm-hmm. people start talking about electric cars. That's just so amazing to me. Uh, and that it's predicted that you know, by the time you're about my age, Darren, the tipping point will have happened. And more people will have electric than non-electric. It'll just be, you know, why mm-hmm. would you buy anything else? Mm-hmm. So that's a real, that's really exciting from a green standpoint, not only in our city, but across the country and around the world.
0: I'm wondering if you see it as something as a direct consequence of like, you know, the hard-fought activism of a bunch of, you know, uh, you know, die-hard environmentalists like me, or do you just see this as the natural evolution of the culture of the city of Toronto that was always here, and this is just the 2016 version of I
2: it? Think the, I think it's Multi-layered. I think there are a lot of things at play here at the same time. A lot of change would not have happened without people like yourself that are promoting that kind of change. Bringing awareness to people is a major part. Education, right? Mm. So yes, that's very important. Government also has to be involved because a lot of these changes are implemented through a, a, city, a city government or a provincial government, or a federal government. So these sorts of things, it can't just be activists saying, hey, we should be doing this because this is better for the environment. It largely is going to fall on deaf ears, depending on which level of government perhaps you're you're trying to get the attention of. However, if you're you're actively engaging your own community, the entire city – there's a lot of power in that. So, you know, it's multi-level, that there's a lot of different layers and a lot of things at play. I think that city, that, that as a city, Toronto has become more of a world city on a, on a lot of levels, not just in its green initiatives, certainly, but in a lot of different ways. So those things are all kind of hand in hand, because I think that the same type of educated artistic minds that that bring a lot of that to the fore also mm. have... Whether they know it even consciously, an environmental objective, hmm. even That's, if it 's a small one it
0: sounds like and I think this is very true um, was that it's more Canada or Toronto has grown up in a certain way and it has changed. Mm-hmm. But I think it's I think you were correct to identify that it was less about it growing into a more environment oriented city and more that it was in growing into a more world city. Correct. And that
2: with that world city status comes more awareness of what do we look like. They go hand in hand. Worth. They go hand in hand around the world. Other other city examples around the world have shown us that in the you know, with with their own histories and their own progress. Mm-hmm. So yes, those sorts of things are inevitable when a city grows mm-hmm. that the proper kind of growth is gonna happen but it goes beyond that, you know, and yes, Toronto is a great green city on a lot of levels, but it's not as green as it could be. Mm-hmm. Considering considering what we have here, uh, not only resources wise, but, you know, uh, finances to a degree, uh, you know, political leadership, all of these things, um, this city could be a lot more in terms of its own green objective than it is, certainly. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to those changes happening because I I think they will happen. Yeah, And I think a little bit of that world city pride is a good thing. I think a
0: little bit of a taste of it is a good thing because it means when you get criticized for things you could improve on, you, you know, you may, you actually want to improve them because you have pride in your city. Sure. I don't know. I I think a little bit of city pride is, has
2: its limits, but it's useful. Oh, it's completely useful. (laughs) Even, even on a very small scale. If the lady down the street from me has pride in her property and is sweeping up or is cleaning garbage out of the alley or whatever, that's a very small green initiative. She doesn't even realize it. That that's what that is, but that's what that is. Mm-hmm. and you if you have pride in your community in your home, those things just unfold without anyone having to tell you that you should be doing, you know, mm-hmm. so it happens something we almost never and i've been occasionally
0: criticized for it but it's just not something that's on my personal radar and you know i'm the host of the show generally so just because of that it doesn't come up very often which is we almost never talk about animals we did do an episode on veganism a few weeks ago where Mm -hmm. we really dived and did a deep dive on that issue Mm -hmm. and and in that conversation the idea that many people not all but many people come to veganism through an appreciation for animal cruelty or or, you know appreciation for the issue of animal cruelty Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um I, i would like to know sort of where that comes from from you not necessarily so much about the vegan thing but tell me about your sort of your interest in caring for animals.
2: I'm, I'm not a vegan, I'll, I'll say that right out, and I'm, I'm not even a vegetarian. However, I do have, uh, I think, a clear love and appreciation for, for animals. Um, I won't tolerate animal cruelty. I won't tolerate all sorts of activity uh, around animals and around animal husbandry, uh, perhaps. So I'm very picky about the food that I do eat that involves animals. And I think there is, personally for me, uh, a healthy, smart way of doing that with a bit of education and and kind of looking into things it's limited i i know you know grocery stores aren't exactly going to be telling you the truth about everything unfortunately uh and that's life and if you choose to eat meat uh i think you have to know that that you know that sort of thing may may be a part of an agenda a hidden agenda perhaps if that's what you if that's what you uh you think that is happening in terms of uh my own interest in animals um You know, it's less about them being in or out of the food chain and more as a respect for animals,
0: Mm. basically. Mm. I've I've often wondered about that because I've never had a pet uh, personally. I, I don't have any problem with pets. Obviously, I'm not like afraid of dogs or anything like that. Well, really big dogs. I think most people are afraid mm, of. But yeah. you know, so it's not about that. But I just I grew up petless. I didn't have a fish or anything when I was a kid, and so I, I'm not used to having them around. But as somebody who isn't a quote unquote pet person, which mm-hmm. I would say I'm not because I don't have one, <laughs> so I can't. Mm-hmm. Be, um, I've always found it very interesting that there is not, there doesn't necessarily seem to co- be a correlation between pet owners and environmentalism. And I sort of assumed, you know, in my ignorance that there would be because it's sort of a very intimate connection with nature to have a very, especially with things like dogs, specifically well, there, cats, there, to illustrate. I believe person. there is
2: a connection. I do believe there is a connection because, and I don't own a dog myself, but I, you know, know many people who do. And when you own a dog, the first thing you have to know is that you're going outside at least three times or four times every day, Mm -hmm. even more if your dog can talk you into it. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, so you're outside, you're walking in your neighborhood, you're in a park, you're on the sidewalk, you're wherever. You're experiencing with your dog your community. And isn't that a nice thing? That's better than being in the house and watching Netflix, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, So, and then you all of a sudden uh, meet up with other people who are like-minded. There's another person with a dog. And, And dog people all, you know, they'll all acknowledge this. They all know each other. They all talk to each other. They sometimes even end up being friends and socializing together. But bottom line is they all kind of end up congregating in areas and going, hey, what's your dog's name and what kind of dog is that? And so I think that it does bring out... Uh, social um, health in people Mm -hmm. as well as environmental uh, responsibility because people, I don't notice it. I live downtown here and I really don't notice dog messes anywhere that much. (laughs) I can't really say I do because I think people are very responsible about their Mm -hmm. dogs.
0: I think there, I think there may be less. Uh, I think that people are less conscious about that correlation. For instance, the, the reason it popped into my head was just that once that I, I remember very ironic con- or seeming to me to be ironic conversation I had with somebody while they were stopped. Uh, it was a stranger who was stopped with their dog, right? You know, and for some reason something about acid rain came up or whatever. In this very brief passing conversation with a stranger, uh-huh. and they were something about oh, who cares about damn tree frogs or something like that. And I was looking at them with their pet, and be like, I bet if I said you know dogs as opposed to tree frogs. You'd Get, yeah, you well, care absolutely. a lot really fast. It could be
2: a little, little so, polarizing there right off the. So yeah, I think it absolutely. is. I think it
0: serves as an environment connection. As in, you're right. It gets people out in nature. It and does. I think they do have a connection with animals, and just sometimes yeah, I worry that it yeah. doesn't carry to other areas where it might be. Wish it did, maybe. Uh,
2: yes, absolutely. And and you're right. Absolutely, people. A lot of people who like dogs maybe don't care about the environment. They don't see it as a correlation. They don't see that the things that that living creatures on the earth are all connected, us included, with other things that are living that maybe, you know, aren't people or animals. Mm -hmm. So we are all connected, whether you like it or not. But, you know, how people choose to allow that connection to be a part of their own lives is, you know, is personal. And there's some education that needs to be done there for sure.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the last thing that oh, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, Ingrid, as well, again, uh, thank you for joining us. We're speaking for just You're most into, welcome. It's uh, so
2: nice to be here with you today, actually. Uh,
0: Ingrid Schumacher from, from CHEM FM and, and uh, a voice that many people will recognize uh, uh, thank you. right off the bat. I'm, I'm certain of it. Um, so, you know, we're here at a community radio station uh, You know, more or less as long as we don't break CRTC rules. We get to do whatever we sure. want. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I decide my own programming. I decide to talk about what I want and when I want. And I'm sort mm-hmm. of wondering what is it, sort of the experience when we're talking about global very serious issues. Issues like climate change and giant fires and and, uh, Mm -hmm. oil spills Mm -hmm. and all these urgent issues that affect everybody. Um, do you feel like there's any sort of, uh, maybe more passive than active, but any sort of censorship control or anything like that when you're in a mainstream situation? No.
2: You know, I think that the people, my employers are concerned that I convey my show basically around the mandate of Chum FM. We are primarily a music station. We're not a news station. Mm. Uh, We play music. That's what we do. But wrapped up in the music are the personalities that are on the air, like myself and and my co-workers. So that all has to to work in tandem. So knowing that, and they fully understand and appreciate it, thankfully, uh, they understand that I, that me, Ingrid, I come with my own set of, of beliefs and uh, things that I like and things that I don't like and all of these things, things that interest me and things that do not. So those things are also incorporated in my show, not in a huge direct way, but many of my listeners, people who listen to me on a regular basis know that I like animals, know that I ride my bike to work, Provided the weather's mostly decent, I know I'm a little bit wimpy. I, I admit it. I'm the first to admit it, um, that that I have, you know, that I have empathy and compassion for people. Um, I did talk about the Alberta fires on the air today. I talked about Gordy Howe uh, passing away. So things that mean a lot to me. I talked about Gore Downey uh, the day that that the tragically hit made the announcement. Um, so those are things that you know. Yeah, it's not about Taylor Swift and Rihanna all the time. It can be about things that are happening in our community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Today I talked about the fact that it was Ontario Craft Brew Week starting today, or Summerlicious is starting pretty soon. Or uh, I also mentioned that there's a festival in Roncesvalles Village tomorrow, and, and the Burlington Festival of Sound starts tomorrow, a big music festival. So... I do have some freedom uh, in terms of what I'm going to talk about. I can't go on at great length. I'm jealous of you, Darren, to be able just to kind of talk about stuff. I know, I you seem shocked that we even had 15 minutes to talk I know, because yeah. it was like, oh, wow, 15 minutes is amazing. I generally, uh, you know, my boss wants me to keep my chat down below a minute, mm. probably 45 seconds. He's really... Very happy if I go thirty, mm. so thirty to forty five seconds, so my greatest challenge in that time frame it's very small mm. is to be able to say something in a concise, intelligent you know way that my listeners are going to be able to relate to mm. without tuning out or without thinking. I didn't get enough information. I don't know what she's talking about. So there, I'm not going to tackle a huge issue. Mm-hmm. And again, we're not a news station. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I may not talk about, you know, certain issues that are happening around the world necessarily, but we have other things at our disposal. Uh, I have Twitter. I have Facebook. So I can spend more time, for instance, on Facebook by posting a link to one of our news stations or whatever when I want to talk about a certain issue. Mm-hmm. And that allows me a bit more freedom and it allows people to kind of look at it and go, oh, yeah. Yeah like it or comment or do whatever. Rather than on the air, which is just always very fast, it has to be. That's mm. that's what we do. People want to hear the next song, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Well, they, and I think that's interesting because yeah, they're they're listening to the radio because they they want to be distracted or they want to have something. Sure. music on. Right? I and also so-
2: believe that they want to hear us. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe I'm nuts, but I, I do <laughs> I do think that they actually want to hear us too, and they want to. They know me a little bit, or they think they do. They do actually <laughs> uh, that they want to hear. You know how I feel about the the what's going to happen wise tomorrow or the snowstorm that's. Coming coming Or whatever, mm. um, because I'm going to talk about all that stuff. So yeah, it's not it's it's I don't have the luxury that you do in terms of the time, but but I managed to kind of get Ingrid out there. All right, so
0: that was uh, my short conversation with uh, Ingrid Schumacher as well from uh, Chum FM. Uh, we're going to go now back to our second and final music break, and then Stefan and I have uh, a little bit uh, we want to do here about. Uh, I I think the appropriate sort of overview would be. Uh, activism in the uh, sort of uh, uh, in the in the now sort of sort of status of sort of global reality of of global sort of terror and and other stuff like that and sort of uh, public action and and whatnot. So we'll come back and and sort of bring the seriousness back up, ratchet it back up. I think a bit for a minute, but uh, we'll try and end on at least a not super down notes we'll try and we'll try and (laughs) level it out i think Stefan's working furiously through the music break here so uh, stay tuned we'll be back in just a minute you're listening to the Green majority here on ciut 89.5 fm on rabble.ca and on our wonderful international community radio partners as well alex please tell us what our second and final music break will be
3: yeah thanks darren uh (laughs)
0: We are back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM into the home stretch last 10 minutes. Uh, so Stefan, as we were teasing there, has a little piece he, uh, he wants to talk about, and, uh, and I'm going to throw in a couple comments just to finish off the show. But just really quickly before we did that, of course, one of the other things we, we missed from this morning, it's a news item I got today uh, as I was leaving the house, basically, is that there are now uh, 1,200 firefighters back working around the cr- uh, clock uh, in a growing wildfire again in Southern California. Uh, Santa Barbara County, um, and you've got about 4,000 acres this morning already. Wind is blowing it all over the place really fast. Uh, they've they're now re-evacuating people that have that have already recently been evacuated due to similar reasons. So, I, I just wanted to, to sort of point that out because, uh, or to to stick a a, th- a thumbnail in it because we're just going to point this stuff out as it goes. I think it's super, super important that, that these things be connected. And I've heard a lot of debate. I don't know. I don't know if we want to divert any time for this mm-hmm. at all, Stefan, but uh, there's, there has been a bait during the, the Alberta wildfire. And since then, and I think it's going to continue to come up about, you know, when and where is the right time and place to point these connections out, uh, in the, uh, <clears throat> in one of the articles you had flagged, actually, uh, there was one, um, uh, Trudeau, uh, pointing out, uh, wait, let's see if I can find it here really fast. Uh, It just Trudeau saying about the Alberta fire that, you know, that, um, uh, you know, well, one event can't be, you know, directly linked to that. And so, well, you know, yes, climate change sort of is going to increase the frequency. Let's not, you know, have a conversation about this other thing based on one. But like, no, but that's the whole point. Every single one is another one. It's not the first fire. It won't be the last fire. And the reason that we need to make this connection was doing something about this problem is going to prevent future fires. And it's like, it's, it, you know, it's like when people say after a shooting that it's not the right time for a conversation about gun violence. But when, when else is the time to talk about, hey, we know why this happened. We don't want this to happen again. So let's do something about that. And, and the time to do that is when you have people's attention. Because you know what? When you wait until people lose and think about something else, now they just tune you out again the same way they were beforehand. So I, uh, which is a, I, I sort of see uh, some of the arguments as to you know, about why but I don't I don't agree that it's disrespectful to do that. I think it is respectful of future to uh, I think it's extremely respectful to want to prevent future loss of life based on while well, you have people's attention based on a previous tragedy. I think that's completely le- legitimate, but I, I do understand that's controversial. What do you think? Uh,
1: no, I was going to actually use your, your the, 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 that example to jump use a, as a segue uh, with a, specifically the, the, the gun question, right? Because that's exactly what is said every time there's a shooting uh, is that. This is not the time to politicize about guns. Uh, it's not the time to talk about that. Uh, and and what I wanted to get into is what I I I've I, I, I'm writing I'm working i writing a piece uh, which I'll post hopefully next week at some point, uh, which is this titled hurricane Sandy, Hook, uh, Collective Action in the Age of Terrorism," mm. uh, because what 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 happened after after the shootings in Orlando uh, was I spent the entire next day just just depressed. Uh, Which I'm sure everyone did, but I I, and and like I'm not in a place personally to talk about specifically the shooting. So I I sort of I'm pulling it back a little bit to sort of just the idea of of when these sort of divisive actions happen. Uh, You know, you can totally like they, they happen all over the place all the time in from a massively wide range of people you know even just like 2 days ago or 3 days ago uh, joe cox mp in, in britain mm-hmm. uh, was was killed well, the person yelled britain first beforehand
0: mm-hmm. uh, and Which how is associated with some with some super super like far right white supremacist nonsense yeah, exactly
1: yeah, yeah. And, and 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 also part of trying to get you know the, the whole the idea of the britain leaving the eu um, and of course, and, and, you know, and how different is that than you know than calling nine one one to pledge your allegiance to ISIS? It, to, to me, they're 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 the same thing, and they're calls uh, they're calls for divisiveness. Uh, and and what I what, what scares me the most about these sort of things is is whenever an action of this nature happens on, on, on any type of these actions, the reaction from from so many uh, is, is to divide. You know, uh, Trump immediately comes out and says that we need to that we need to close off our borders, even though the guy was born in America. Uh, You know, the idea that it, it, it it
0: it. or that a Mexican judge can't do something, even though the fact that he's an American judge.
1: Exactly. Uh, the, the, all, whenever these actions happen, and the, 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 the terrorism inspires this, 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 you, the people recoil, uh, and, and in, in recoiling, they become very tribal in their in their who's okay, who's not okay thing. Mm. Uh, and what's terrifying about this is that when the waves broke ashore on October 29th, twenty twelve, uh, and swept into Manhattan, uh, Hurricane Sandy didn't discriminate. Uh, and it wasn't saying like, oh, well, you know, I'm only going after Americans. Uh, no, it it, it 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 hit everyone, and everyone had to respond. Uh, and and it's I use that as a, as, a, as a to highlight the fact that. Collective act like we're collective action is hard even at the best of times, uh, and 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 it's been shown over and over again the power of community is the way to fight climate change it is the way to reduce carbon uh, and in a local level community provides opportunities to reduce uh, to reduce carbon uh, through sharing and through and through the personal networks. On a national level, uh, you need every province in this country to come together to actually agree on some sort of climate plan, uh, so so we can actually have a some sort of federal net campaign move, move, move forward on an international level we need country people you know if you have one leader demonizing an entire set, like a million people and then he's not going to go turn around the next day and walk up to them and be like okay so how are we going to work together on climate change that just can't happen mm-hmm. uh, and so what scared me about this reaction what what what, what, what whenever something like this happens what what, what is really uh f- from environment what's really concerning is that we it's a incredibly divisive language at a time when we really cannot afford it. Okay. Uh, you know, it's not we don't have. You know, as I was saying to you during one of the, during the, one of the breaks, uh, we don't. If we spend the next 10, 15 years debating national security uh, and debating uh, what's going on between uh, you know, protect, protecting uh, ourselves uh, from, from these sort of existential threats of lone wolves uh, and, and, and just being scared and hiding in our houses, and, and, and because of that, that's what our dominant our conversation, and we forget of this looming danger of climate change, uh, our greatest fear will be imagined. Our greatest fear uh, uh, will be imagined, and that's and that's terrifying to me. Mm.
0: Well, and it's I mean, there's there's sort of two two themes I want to pull out here. One of them is extremely quick and a throwaway, and the other one's more something maybe we can dig into. And I think we'll we'll probably end up carrying this over a little bit. Just, today's bonus show will be pretty abbreviated, but I think we'll probably end up just sort of carrying this conversation through for a few minutes. But uh, the first thing was, you know, this idea is sort of very much like what you're saying about um, how. A lot of these problems stem out of these sort of this sort of individualistic us versus them sort of mentality. And so whether we're talking about, you know, terrorism or climate change or any of these other things, <clears throat> you know, all, the, all these companies are worried about protecting themselves. We have these companies, you know, lying to people, funding, you know, su- funding uh, nonsense science to confuse the public because they want to protect them and theirs. And at some point they, they rationalize that this is, well, you know, probably it's some form combination of. Well, everyone else is doing it, sort of the Anne Rand mentality of, you know, I'm only out for myself. You know, it's this idea of projection. Everybody everybody assumes what other people do. Always, you know, always be suspicion of the first person to accuse somebody of stealing something because they're probably the thief, that sort of thing, Right everybody assumes everyone else is like them because how could they not or at least until they get further information you assume other people are are going to be similar to you until you have other information or until another bias inserts itself right so maybe I you know maybe a racist person wouldn't assume a Muslim was like like them but that's another bias sort of inserting itself if you put a person like them they're going to assume that they're like them all the time which is why we see these actions and where a lot of the think that rationalization comes from but the the idea as you were saying was that many of these problems come whether we're talking about sort of business or social or, or whatever come from this idea of Uh, separating people and and pitting people against each other. Um, And, you know, we can, it not only is it not constructive as a solution, it's actively part of the problem. So, you know, there's two ways to look at that. One of them is the connection between climate change and extremism, which is that when people don't have food and water, they're much more likely to be able to be convinced to join some death cult, uh, whether it be because they want to live and they genuinely, uh, they genuinely are convinced that their only option of doing that is to fight the only power they see oppressing them, which is, you know, in this case, American drones, uh, or, they just give up all hope and think, well you know i 'll have a better life in this fantasy land some you know imam told me existed, and so i 'm just going to leave this hellhole of my terrible life and my horrid existence, and if I do this one thing i 'll be glory and celebrated, and i 'll get us all this attention and love and power and respect that I never had in my real life and so I think if we understand the roots of these problems, we can actually start to identify them, uh, and so not only you know do we need to come together, is that we also have to understand that we can 't just not you know slander all Muslims with the actions of a few people who happen to be Muslim, not to mention all the non Muslim terrorism we 'd like to conveniently call lone wolves. Uh, but also that the actual solution to these problems is communism or communalism sorry Mm -hmm. not communism (laughs) Uh, is communalism in the sense that you know if these people weren't starving if we all had stable economies and a functional education system we would see these problems be much more manageable that's all the time we have for on the show Uh, and I have a funny throwaway comment you're going to really wish you'd heard so please stay tuned download the podcast to hear what my funny throwaway comment we're going to toss this idea around a little bit further uh, and I hopefully Alex will also join in us but for that uh, as far as the on-air show that's all the time we have thanks for listening to the Green Majority have another Another good green week folks and uh because it's pride month happy pride so thanks so much for listening to this week's show is a bit of a almost not even a metaphorical roller coaster ride this week uh, with some heavy news and some light chat as well uh, we continue the conversation a little bit in the boat show and uh, we do hope you tolerate the slightly off topic nature of some of the content this week as well as the bonus show, but it's just one of those things where, you know, I really didn't feel like we could just sort of pass it by and and talk about uh, wildfires. Well, there are uh, much more immediate seeming things at the very least going on. So we hope you found this week's uh, conversation constructive and we continue it for a few minutes with uh, both of our our two texts this week as well in the bonus show, which starts now. Don't forget, of course, that you can, if as well, become a member of the Green Majority. This helps us put on the program. Uh, We're still in some desperate need of some equipment. And, uh, of course, uh, this is still largely about deferring costs for us as well. So if you can help contribute to the uh, costs of putting on this program, become a member and help spread environmental, sensible conversation here at the Green Majority, you can do that at patron, P-E-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Green Majority. All right, so we're now into the the bonus show, and I'm joined by Stefan Still, who's in here. Uh, it'll be a little sh- uh, short today, that we don't have a ton to talk about, uh, but we have two other people in the studio. So maybe maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe we'll go on for quite some time. But uh, Alex, our uh, usual tech is here, and also our tech and training Ellie, as well. The tech and training is that correct?
1: That is correct.
0: Awesome to so join us here and. Uh, you sort of joined us on an odd week because a lot of time we actually have pretty not fluffy necessarily but a lot sort of very cerebral and, and more playful I think about our shows but became, we sort of ended off there on a rough note um, a little bit but it just sort of is something I think just required uh, a comment or at least I felt compelled to at least say something about it my other quick thing and then maybe I'll throw back to Stefan and we'll just sort of open it up about that that I teased at the end there the comment I didn't sneak onto the main show was the idea that is, is it not time that we can have an adult and serious conversation about the fact that your average right-wing politician especially in the U S
1: <laughs> on the bonus show. Darren gets phone calls. You should answer it live. <laughs> well, it's work. So you probably shouldn't answer it live. Uh, but still, it at
0: all. stop calling me during my show. Okay. <laughs> Is it not time that we can have an adult and serious conversation about the fact that your average right-wing politician, especially in the U S has far more in common with your average ISIS fighter than your average Muslim. That seems uh, right. to be to be just factually true.
1: Well, I, I, I think it comes down to the, the, the conversation of, of well, yeah, answers like yes, uh, like you look at what they're actually you know what they believe, and it, it comes down to sort of this. I think I think ideology of, of right wing ideology has a much you know whether it's whether right wing ideology is is you know coming from uh, coming from from terrorist organizations or from you know or from in power. You know, uh, it, it, like you know, leg, quote unquote legitimate power from the state uh, or political power. It's the same set of guiding principles to some extent, right? You know, like when you like. It, it, what's funny, uh, not funny, but kind of sad about this is that when, when ISIS, like when ISIS said, like ISIS's goal is to get America to declare war on Islam. Like that's their yeah. goal. Like that, you're, not even conclu- that's you're not even concluding that. To that to that's do. on their posters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like they, they right now they're claiming it's already happening. It's like it's literally what they're trying to say is happening and are trying to get it to happen. And so it's and so you have like you know you have you have that ISIS saying that you have one billion Muslims uh, saying no, not really. Uh, and then you have the uh, the the some leading people in the Republican Party in the states also saying that. Uh, and it's like draw any lines here uh you know whose world view is more similar right mm-hmm. who's who sees the if you if both these parties see the world as the united states is actually fighting isis like is, is fighting isis if the united states is, is fighting islam as a general whole um and these are the two sides of this case, of this thing then yeah of course like like unquestionably uh you know it's it's because because that's what actually is leading their values, right? Like like what, what what's impacting their life is is how they see the world, uh, and if and they both see the world in the same way to some extent, um, and and they both have the same reaction to that. Like it's not like you know it's not like these people are saying that we're against war in Islam, and the way to way to defeat this Islam is to you know send over as many textbooks and and love them until they don't like us anymore and then if i like guess then then we'll then, then that will solve the problem their solution is bomb the shit out of them and what is isis what, what is ISIS's solution to fighting the united states bomb the shit out of them it's every like it, it's two sides that are literally all the things they want to see happen all things that they're doing uh are are ver- are, are are the same it's just, only, it's just the who's only, the good guy and who's the bad guy. It's the yeah. only difference in these two things.
0: Yeah, and that's completely subjective, apparently. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah I mean, the, the, the whole expression, you know, the fight fire with fire was obviously a right-wing argument. Because the only thing you get when you fight fire with fire is everything on fire. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, which is not necessarily It's really like, not yeah, that complicated. We don't really want everything on fire. It's, it's, yeah. it's like it's, we live anywhere. So if you're everywhere is on fire. Yeah, it's like it, it's like this fight fire with fire and then there's uh, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Right. You know, there's, which are... Quint- that is slightly better ring to it than when I said. <laughs> well, they're opposite meanings, yeah. right? You know, like it, like it, you can't, you know, you like. What's What's ridiculous, of course, is that you know uh, this is a weirdly this, we've gone off completely off the environment. But like, what's ridiculous, of course, is that the policies that that the, m- many sort of the people f- want to in place are the policies that ISIS uses to def- to, to defend their a- to defend their actions. Mm. You know, it's not like it's I, I remember reading this thing about what it's like what it was a, it was a small child living in i i'm going to say pakistan uh and he was writing about how blue skies terrified him mm-hmm. his drones flew in blue skies yeah it was afghanistan uh and um and that sentence, like I, I, I guess, like I, I known, I, I, I guess that what that drove home was the reality of living with the idea of drone strikes. Mm. Uh, that blue skies scare you. Uh, yeah. It was the most depressing thought. Uh, and it, but 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 when you think about that, you put that into a larger context. If you grow up living in that reality. Um, then it's not that hard if someone says these are the bad guys, and the bad guys say yes, we are the bad guys. To be like, oh, maybe they're the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, and or of course, have people
0: like, with large microphones whose uh, names start with Donald um, saying things like, "We have to kill their families too." Yeah. Like, like really, is there any bigger recruiting tool than the you're, you're actually at war with one point, you know, nine billion people?
1: Yeah. And and like and like of course like like the reaction to all of this has to be has to be compassion and understanding and love there's the only only chance the only chance we have to not end up with the whole world blind like it's yeah. it, it, because because we've seen we've we've like we've tried bombing the shit of people for the last oh i don't know entire human history uh and it's and while the military does prove to be quite quite successful at innovating and creating new technologies uh it's still devastating and tear like that's not a reason to do it yeah
0: well, and the thing is, and, and this is the last thing I'll say that I want to throw to our, our additional co-host today. Which Alex, really
1: you're throwing in a very specific, like maybe we could ask them a slightly lighter question. Seems- no, it's comment <laughs> on anything. Comment. There will be no question.
0: Any comment you wish to make. <laughs> Which was just the idea that, yeah, I mean, as military technology advances, you're, what you're looking at is a more and more one-sided traditional military fight. And so what you're doing is removing that an op- as an option and simply encouraging more people to take it on non-military type. Attempts right like if this, if these were standing armies these would have been this would have been settled already but there was no standing army because they knew that that fight could never be won so they came up with a way to do that and so having a new type of laser blaster uh, as much as my video games think you know in a video game sense that stuff's all really cool but in a reality sense it's useless. Having an even better pea shooter doesn't matter when we're dealing with suicide bombers. This is a psychological and social problem, and those psych- psychology and sociology are the only ways to solve it. Uh, having an even faster machine gun or a, or a, or a la- space laser is not going to protect you from mentally unstable people blowing themselves up. Uh, or comment on anything at all, Alex. I
3: have a funny thing to say. Not sure if it's super related, but- um, That sounds great. They they keep They keep making new Call of Duty games every year. And you you sort of uh, just brought up the point that as they keep making new uh, new technology to kill people with, it doesn't really solve the problems. It just gives people more options and sort of more more toys to play with, more like things to test out, and uh, the call co- the the. Uh, releasing new call of duty games as often as they do i'm not a big fan of the games i find them sort of like they sort of give me nightmares after playing for too long it's it's war pornography yeah i'm also not a big fan yeah and and it's just like it it highlights this problem that like we're going to keep making new technology we're going to keep uh finding new ways to kill people we're going to keep releasing this Um, But we're not actually solving any problems. The war is just going to continue. And that's sort of what Call of Duty banks on is that the war continues and they keep selling video games. Well, the the
0: name of their newest game they just released is literally Infinite Warfare. (laughs) that's Literally the name of their game, Infinite Warfare. And I think that's rather apt. Emily, do you have any thoughts?
3: Uh, Yeah. I don't know if you read the Atlantic article about uh, the mind of Donald Trump that came out fairly recently. Anyways, the, their sort of psychological portrait of him is that his baseline is anger. And for anger, that sort of resonates with so many people. In the United States right now, that sort of visceral um, response to whatever conflict there is available. So I've been reading a book about the Salem witch trials recently. And, mm. you know, we haven't, you know, um, progressed that much. We're still... Um, In the process of going through these witch trials right now, which is pretty frightening, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. No, it's an extremely valid point that this is not. This is also not a new situation, I think. And yeah, this is this. We we still haven't sort of learned. I learned that sort of, you know, pointed your finger at a bad guy and then hunt them down and uh, the whole red communism scare thing. And I mean, this is history repeating itself and repeating itself and repeating itself and repeating itself of, you know, something happened we don't like uh, or we're afraid of something. It all comes from fear. Uh, And so the only way to deal with our fear is to trick ourselves into uh, or trick ourselves and to attempt to fool others into, you know, being like a, a bear and standing on our hind legs and being scary and smashing things. Uh, which not only doesn't solve the problem, but it also makes you weaker in the process. I think, and it's like what Stefan was saying, and it's sort of my, maybe we'll throw back to Stefan on this point, but like my initial thought was that like, as you're saying what you're saying, the words you were using, we can only solve this, you know, problem with compassion and stuff. My whole, my, my, that little bone in my back that sort of is like alarm for like hokey sentimental stuff Mm -hmm. was buzzing like mad. But the thing is, you're absolutely right. And the thing is, I'm afraid the reason I wanted to point that out was I'm afraid a lot of people will have that same response, but Oh, you silly lib. Mm -hmm. You know, that sounds flowery and lovely Well, you go, you know, dance with butterflies, but the adults are going to be over here solving real problems. Well, guess what? The th- supposed adults have been attempting to solve real problems for the past 10,000 years, and you guys suck at it. <laughs> so why not give the, uh, the other people a chance? And hey, by the way, they happen to have all the science on their side. And by that, I mean like psychology and actual test studies on dealing with extremists and, you know, once again, science wins and we're not listening to them and we actually know how to solve these problems. We're just ignoring the people that are proposing the solutions because they're not violent enough and they're not, you know, smash our hands on stuff enough that make us feel better about
1: being hurt rather than actually
0: dealing with the actual problem
1: yeah well it, 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 you can even tie back to the fact that it's been proven that torture doesn't actually be as good doesn't actually successfully get people to say things you want to say. Like torture is an ineffective method to get people to tell you things uh, and, and actually talking to them is the effective way to tell things uh, and it's yeah what's the number one thing
0: if somebody says you know w- were you you know w- were you connected to ISIS when you bombed that building I didn't bomb the building okay well if you torture them for 10,000 hours they're going to say whatever the hell you need they need to say to make the torture stop and a mouse will do it an ant will do it and a human will do it you can force it's it's a you're programming them it's psychological programming it's actually virtually indistinguishable from brainwashing which is that you give someone negative reinforcement for the wrong answers and positive reinforcement for the right answers th- th- what connection
1: could this possibly have to intelligence yeah well or, or just fact that's the thing right yeah, well intelligence it, in the military or, oh, or cia sense. Sense. Yeah. I mean, um yes yeah, and so uh, and it, which is like which I, which is all of this I find so like it's it, we're sort of rehashing this the central I think argument to some extent that you f- see in society back and forth, right is that uh is you know it it plays out in every avenue, you know privacy versus security uh uh it, like every dichotomy you sort of see that plays out in our society comes down to the central question of whether or not you should fear the person beside you or you should love the person beside you um and and I think. Like I, I, this I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, i my last comment is I'm gonna leave I, I'm gonna leave you with a with a quick story, uh, which was I think when I finally decide when I, decide, I I remember deciding which side of that dichotomy I was going to fall on, mm. uh, was in in university I, I had subletted uh, my my apartment my, my apartment out to uh, to someone, and they they were they were odd uh, and at some point they just decided they were going to leave. Uh, they left uh, and and they were like they gave me a check for their for their last month's rent, uh, and 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 then bailed, uh, and and then so that's we had, so found someone else blah 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 that wasn't the problem the check bounced uh, so I sent them a message being like hey. I'm a poor student. I don't necessarily have this kind of money. Uh, can you send me a new check or anything like that? And their immediate response back was, uh, "Stop harassing me. If you if if you keep harassing me, i will go to the police." Which is like, which is really what, which is really what, which is actually what the police will, like the, the point of that is, if at any point in time I tried to go to the police, they would have record of being like, "Look, look, he was harassing me. I sent this email. Why else would I send this email?" Yeah. And so and so at that moment, I I I gave up on the money. Uh, and I spent like the next couple days just being super unhappy uh, and frustrated by this whole situation. And at some point, I realized that I was sitting on. I realized that I would have rather live my life presuming I will get that money than taking all the necessary steps to ensure I did. Um, and and that was it. And so I like. And once that decision was made, I was like, okay, I guess like, well, that's gone, and I'm carrying on. Uh, and you know that it's a it may be naive to some extent uh but at the same time i think it's also naive to presume that the world is gonna be better if everyone tries to ensure that every single thing can't like you just have to trust in people uh or at least i think so and that's and so that's like i remember that specifically because i remember that making that decision um and and i think it carries through throughout i think the the rest of these conversations
0: yeah and trust begets trust exactly okay. you're going to get screwed a few times but we can you know increase the general level of trust if yeah it's, well, it's a self society it's, only it's works. A self-fueling like, prop, a like,
1: principle think about it like society on, like one of my favorite little quotes uh, from uh, from restoring sanity and the John Stewart uh, and Colbert uh, rally was uh, John Stewart was talking about how the, in the Jersey I think it was the Jersey Turnpike uh, two lanes become one uh, and so every morning one car goes and S car goes one car goes and S car goes and they understand that that's how this works uh, and he's saying but and he's, no one at that moment is looking across the uh, cr- across to the other person and be like, is that a Democrat? So I'm gonna cut them off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, n- that we we, we don't. don't operate like that. So, like we trust inherently society constantly. Right. Uh, and so like, you know, it's not like everyone who's driving is trusting every other person on the road not to drive into them. Yeah, uh, and so this, and and that's an increment of trust, and I and, and I think so. Yeah, so we, we. But that doesn't mean accidents so never happen. Well,
0: of course, but not. it does mean that it doesn't mean that trust was misplaced because the, the 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 atmosphere of trust creates so much benefit that the odd time the trust fails is not an argument against not trust. Well, exactly. It's an it's an understandable partial risk of doing something of which there is a massive net benefit, which is a functionable modern society. Exactly. Uh, So for final comments, if anything, maybe just a peace out. Thanks so much. Have a good week. Uh, We'll go to Alex and uh, Emily for either a final comment or goodbye.
3: Cool. Um, Thanks for listening. Peace out and have a good week. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Father's Day to you all. Nice.
0: Thanks very much, guys. See See you later. Have a good green week.